0: We're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. All right, we are starting a series that is going to last for as long as it needs to last called Laying Foundation. This is series one. Alright. Um, the plan is to run this series for two years. Not every month for two years, but um, at least twice every month for two years, <laughs> or thrice every month, and thrice tri- monthly English is hard. You get my point, right? So we're starting the series with the book of Hebrews, all right? The series just basically takes us through the epistles, the plan is by the time we are done with this laying foundation series, we should have gone through all the letters written in the epistles as from the book of Revelation. Alright? We should have gone through um, Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, um, Thessalonians, Timothy, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, you know. We'll go through all of those. But we're starting with the book of Hebrews, because I think um, the book of Hebrews is the most foundational book in the epistles. What I mean is, it was, written in, it was written to people who were not mature. Do you understand? It was written to people who were not mature. So, borrowing those analogies will help you understand better what Christ has come to do. The book of Hebrews and the book of Romans are very, very similar. It's just one was written with more mature terms while the other wasn't. And Hebrews was the one written with um, immaturity at mind. You understand? So he had to go through a very long process to write the book, and I think that's a process I would like us to go through. All right. He started the first chapter by explaining how Jesus, he compared Jesus' ministry with the angels of, um, with the ministry of angels. And in chapter two, three, chapter two, he continued the same thing. Chapter three, he compared Jesus' ministry with Moses' ministry. You know, He was just being very, very systematic in the flow of thoughts. I'm saying he, but it could have been a she because nobody knows who wrote the Book of Hebrews. So, so here's what I want you to do: I want you to open your Bibles and open your notepads because there are verses of the Bible, there are verses or statements that I would like you to underline as you read through. So, this is Bible study, purely Bible study. All right, all right, okay. So the teaching starts now. All right, Hebrews chapter one, verse one. Ooh, glory. It says long ago, let's let's do KGV through this series, except I asked for a different one. It says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, are you looking into your Bibles? God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And I've explained to you um, when we were doing baptism and communion. And when we did the Christology series on Wednesdays, I explained to you what he meant by God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, Greek word for sundry times. Sundry times is one word in the Greek polymeros, and diverse manners is one one word in the Greek polytropos, which means in different ways at different times. Do you understand? Um, another way to see it is that God spoke to the fathers in portions. Do you understand? So he speaks to this person this way at this time. Another time he speaks to this other person this way at this time and he did all of that by the prophets. So for example, God says to Abraham in your seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed. This is God and the word that word "spake" means reveals or revealed. He revealed himself to the fathers by the prophets in diverse ways and diverse times. Do you get that? So God says to Abraham, in your seed shall nations of the earth be blessed. And Abraham thinks, oh, the seed he's talking about is Isaac. So, you see, in that way, God was speaking in a portion. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't really give anybody the full idea or the full revelation of his plan. Do you get that? That's why Colossians, Paul says, it's the mystery that was hidden through the ages, which is now revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God spoke mysteriously in the Old Testament. Do you see that? That's why even when Jesus came, I often ask this question. When I, when I say Old Testament, does it refer to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John alone? Sorry, does it refer to Genesis to Malachi alone? No. The Old Testament began or ended where Christ died. The word testament means covenant. The Bible says where there's, the, um, there's no testament without the blood of a testator. So the New Testament was founded on the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you get that? Do you understand that? So the Old Testament ended where? At the death of Christ Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke and John belong to the Old Testament. Although they are in the New Testament section of your Bible. Do you get that? Raise your hand if you understand. Raise your hand if you don't. Anybody like that? Alright, I'll take it again. Um, the word testament is the word covenant. You know that? Have you heard that before? Great. A covenant is ratified or a covenant is sealed by blood. Do you, do you get that? So the old covenant started at Moses and was sealed by the blood of bulls and goats in Exodus 19 and 20. Do you get that? Great. So now, if that was what sealed the old covenant, what sealed the new covenant? It had to also be sealed by blood. Do you understand? What blood? It could not have been sealed by the blood of bulls and goats because that's the same covenant with the old. Co- it's the same system with the old covenant. It's, it, it can't be a new covenant if it's sealed by the blood of bulls and goats. It had to be sealed by another blood, Jesus's blood. Do you get that? So it, Jesus's blood is the seal of the new. Testaments. Do you understand? Great. So when we say Old Testament, we are making reference to everything that happened before Jesus died. When we say New Testament, we are making reference to everything that happened after his death. Do you understand? Great. That's why even when Jesus was alive, he spoke in parables. Do you see that? Diverse manners, diverse times. Parables. He hid many of the mysteries... Many of the things he was to reveal, he hid them in his parables. To his his disciples, he said, I have yet many things to say to you, but I can't say them now. Why? He had not yet died. He said, how be it? When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you see that? So, what changed? His death, burial, and resurrection. That's the mark of the new covenant. Do Do you understand what I'm saying? Raise your hand if you understand now. Good. So God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets next verse has in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world the worlds look at that hath in these last days spoken to us by his son now um I've corrected this before um I've corrected this before when we were doing um, baptism and communion. I told you, when he said he has spoken to us by his son, it actually means in his son. So, when you say he has spoken to us by his son, you would assume that only the things the son said revealed God. Right? That's what it means when he spoke to us by the son. So, the things the son said are the things that reveal God. But, more accurately... God is revealed in the words of Christ The actions of Christ And what Christ represented Do you understand? Do you understand? God is revealed in the words of Christ The actions of Christ And what Christ represented So many times It wasn't what Jesus said That revealed God It was what he did For example, in John chapter 9, you have Jesus Christ before a blind man who was born blind. And he said, this man was made blind for the glory of the Lord. Now you can misread that scripture and mean, oh God made him blind so that he'll be healed that he'll get the glory from healing him. No. You see, what Jesus was saying is that I will through this man's blindness reveal who God is. How do I know that? In the later verses in the same chapter... He goes ahead to heal the man. And he explained how that healing was connected to the salvation he was to bring. Do you see that? So, it was not in what he said that he revealed God. But rather what he did. So now, you have him reveal God in his speech. You have him reveal God in his actions. You also have him reveal God in what he represented. And this is this is important what the writer of hebrews says he has in these last days this phrase these last days um the word last there is the greek word eskatos and it means final do you have the amplified put up the amplified for me he says but in these last days he has spoken to us in can you say that word in not by now but in can you see that he has spoken to us in the person of a son Whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and and through whom he created the worlds. He has spoken to us in the person of his son. And not just that he spoke to us in the person of his son, he spoke with finality. That's important to take note of. In these last days, which means he has spoken with finality. He's not going to talk about it again. He's not going to reveal himself again. Praise the Lord praise the lord i want to make sure you understand what i'm saying do you understand he's not going to reveal himself again in another way and this is something a lot of people in the body of christ do not pay attention to do you see because a lot of people you know there's this song jesus reveal yourself to me open my eyes to see i need an encounter people expect a different revelation of God outside of the revelation of God that is given in Christ. Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us he has spoken with finality. Do you understand? That's why he says in these last days, after this, there's no other, he's not doing again. Praise the Lord. Listen, there is no revelation of God outside of Christ. Stop looking for a God that is not defined in Christ. Stop it. Stop looking for a God that is not defined by Christ. A lot of people in a search for depth, they, they stumble upon a lot of nonsense. It's wrong. I think three weeks ago, a brother messaged me that somebody was telling him something. And this was what the person said. That say, sure you know that Jesus is not the highest name in heaven. That Christ is not the highest name in heaven. So this guy said, what do you mean? He said, let me, let me take you through a journey. When Jesus was on earth, what was he called? He said, Jesus Christ, right? Say said, yes. But the Bible says that wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. But this was after he left the earth, right? He said, yes. So, the name God gave him is above Jesus Christ. He said, I'm listening to you. Keep going. He said, now, what name can be higher than the name of Jesus Christ? Let's go to Ezekiel. The Bible talks about the anointed cherub that covers the throne of God. Lucifer is that name that is higher than the name of Jesus. Lucifer is not a person. Lucifer is a position. Jesus is the new Lucifer. I'm not joking to you. I have this in my WhatsApp. Somebody sent this to me. And when I just read through, I just lol like, lol. <laughs> because like, I don't even know where to begin to tell you that you are just wrong, my brother. I so just LOL. It's okay. I just told the person, stop talking to this guy. Because you are looking for a God that is not revealed in Christ. He's wrong. Are you listening to what I'm saying? A lot of people want God to be defined in their encounters. Also wrong. I call him Jehovah the Boo. Because <laughs> he is my boo. I get your point. You are really cute. But it's wrong. <laughs> Do you see that? it was an Old Testament practice to define God by encounters. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that their practice was outdated. Long ago, God defined himself in... So, for example, Abraham's about to sacrifice his son, and God says, don't. There's a lamb provided for you. Abraham says, surely you are Jehovah Jireh. God the provider, right? Now, Moses has a revelation of God as the healer, and he calls him Jehovah Rapha. Another time, he has a revelation of God as his righteousness. He calls him Jehovah Makadishchem. He has a revelation, David has a revelation of God as the banner, the one that covers. He calls him Jehovah Nisi. All these names went through the Old Testament, but notice Jesus didn't use anyone. Because Jesus came to reveal him. So what did Jesus call him? Father. See, there is no greater revelation of God in the life of a believer than father. Do you see that? So when you are looking for a special name, I call him Jehovah Overdo. Are you wrong? No. Does he overdo? Yes. Oh, he overdoes. You, you owed a debt that was equivalent to 50,000 naira. He paid 50 billion dollars for it. Your sin was small. He paid more than it. Past, present, future. He overdoes. But don't define God by the encounters. Listen to what I'm saying. He's Jehovah sharp sharp. <laughs> there is no greater revelation of God than that which is given in Christ. He's my father. The reason why God overdoes is because he's a father. Do you get that? The reason why he will answer your prayer speedily is because he's your father. Amen. So, as a Christian, you learn to define God through Christ. Praise the Lord. And a problem with this encounter mentality. This mentality of trying to understand God through encounters. The problem with it is statements like, God, if you are truly God, do so and so in my life. You sound like the devil. You see, because there's a different way God reveals himself. And there's a different way the devil wants you to see God. The modality of communication is always different. God speaks with assurance. The devil speaks with doubt. Let me explain. The devil came to Eve in the garden and said, Has God said? Which means, I'm not saying no, but you martin think, Has God said? Thou shalt not eat of any of the... He came to Jesus. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, can you see that? The devil always seeks to put doubts in your heart concerning God's promises. If you are the Son of God, turn stone to bread. I hope you know that the real temptation was not turning stone to bread. The real temptation was getting Jesus to doubt that he was the Son of God. Because the moment you have to turn stone to bread to validate that you are the Son of God, you don't really believe you are the Son of God there was a difference because when jesus came out the voice from heaven says this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased that's god speaking with assurance finality but when the devil speaks he says if you are the son of god turn stone to bread that's the way the devil talks that's the way the devil talks don't talk like the devil don't say that if you are truly god he is truly God. A lot of people will read the story of the three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel. And they say, oh, oh king, have you ever thought about that before? They brought these boys before the king because they have done bad. And the king says, bow and I will forgive you. And this was their response. They said, oh, king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. In common day words, we no send you. He says, the God we serve is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't. That's where the faith is. That assurance that God is God no matter what I see. Praise the Lord. God is God no matter what I face. God is God no matter the situation. So when the devil wants, this is how the devil wants you to talk. God, if you love me, let me pass my exams. If you love me, let me get a car. If you love me, let me do this. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Which means this is how God showed his love to the world. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. So God gives you an assurance that he loves you. Because if Jesus Christ died, then God truly loves you. Is that true? And he cannot undie. He has already died. That death is in the past. That love is forever. Do you see that? So when you pray, you say, because you love me. I can talk to you about my finances because you love me. I can talk to you about my car because you love me. Do you see the difference? The devil wants you to come from a place of doubt. God wants you to come from a place of assurance. That's why it says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Not come with doubt. You know what it means to come boldly? (laughs) (laughs) The way you walk, the way you come back home, from work at the end of the day and you ask is there food like you are the one that bought the food is there food in the house what is in the kitchen what is in the fridge Okay. And you can collect what you do not buy because you know it is yours do you, you get what I am saying stop looking for a definition of God based on encounters it is wrong amen it is wrong don't live your life that way you'll be frustrated. There's this hymn that I love. It says, "When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like death's billows roll, whatever my lot, I ha- you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, whatever it is that I face, it is well with my soul. God is defined in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord." Say this after me. I choose to see God God. as loud as you can. I choose to see God God. as as revealed in Christ. Listen. When you read the Old Testament, understand that every idea or revelation you see of God in the Old Testament is incomplete. Let that sink into your head. Some of them are even wrong. (laughs) Because they were made by people who didn't really get the full picture. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of them are wrong. John 18. Put up John 18 and then all of you turn your Bibles to John one eighteen. I want you to mark that in your Bibles john chapter 1 verse 18 are you there are you there now all right everybody read john 1 from verse 14 he says the word became flesh and dwelt amongst we observed his glory the glory as the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth John testified uh, concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, who is himself God, is at the Father's side, and he has revealed him. No one hath at any time seen God. The only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father has declared him. Jesus is the revelation of God. Praise the Lord. In fact, don't take my word for it. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Let's continue with Hebrews. Hebrews 1 3. He says, Who being the brightness of his glory... Express image of his person. When you read translations like the HCSB or the NIV, it says he's the radiance of his glory. Do you see that? He's the radiance of his glory. You might not understand what that statement means. So let me explain. How do you know the sun is hot? The radiation of the sun. You can see the sun, but you don't feel the effect until you feel the radiation of the sun. Is that true? In the night, there's sun. What we see as the moon is a body reflecting the light of the sun. Which means the sun is still up, but we can't feel the radiation. But when the sun is up and you feel the radiation, you know, ah, the sun is hot today. Is that true? Which means it is the radiation of the sun that defines the sun to you. Is that correct? When the Bible says he's the radiance of his glory, it means that when God says he has glory, Christ is what you feel. Christ is what you see that defines that glory. He now says he's the exact expression of his nature. You see that phrase, exact expression, is one word in the Greek. Character. That's the word. Character. Jesus is the character of God's nature. And that word is used to imply... That word is used to imply... Um, when you go to... How many of you did biology in school? You did biology... And then you you want to maybe you want to examine, let's say, a tree. You don't carry the tree to the lab, do you? You don't, but what you do is you cut out portions of that tree. Is that true? You examine those portions. What you see in those portions, you apply to the whole tree. In the Greek, those portions are called character. When the Bible says he is the exact expression of his nature, he is the character of God. When we examine Jesus Christ. We can apply what we see to Christ in Christ to God. Hallelujah. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. This is why John said, uh, Thomas says to Jesus, Philip, rather, says to Jesus, Show us the Father. And Jesus said to Philip, Have I been with you this long and you haven't seen the Father? been... Jesus was saying, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So he said, I and my Father are one. When the Jews heard that, they understood what he was saying. They said, ah, you, you are making yourself equal to God. So understand something. What Hebrews 1, from verse 1 to 3, Has successfully done. Is proven to you. That Jesus is God. Praise the Lord. And he sustains all things. By his powerful word. After making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand. Of the majesty on high. Verse 4. Be made so much better. Than the angels. Look at that. Go back to verse 3. Look at the last sentence. He says, And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 4 now says, He being made so much better than the angels. So in his sitting, he was declared better than the angels. So much better. Look at that. As he has obtained an inheritance, more ex- or as he has by inheritance obtained a name or a more excellent name than they. You see that word "their name" it does not mean what you are called. Do you understand? It does not mean what you are called. It means the authority that backs you up. Do you get that? When you see in the New Testament this word "name" is used um, with reference to Christ. Is used usually to refer, um, to refer to the authority that backed him up. Do you get that? So when, in fact, we use it in our everyday lingo. Do you get? So when you say, "But I come in the name of the president," for example, it doesn't mean that you are the president or your name is the president's name. It means you are coming in the authority and the person of the president. So when he says he has obtained a more excellent name than they, it means he obtained a greater status. ...than the angels. So two questions will arise in your mind. The first one is, how? How did he obtain a greater status than the angels? The second one is, what is that greater status? Do you see? Two questions. How and what? Now, before we move forward, let me say something. I think it was last year, I had dressed up in the morning to head out for the day. And then, these two people accosted me in front of my house. One was a man... One was a woman the man was carrying a bag you should know who i'm talking about now and then they said, i won't preach the gospel to you and i'm always always open to hearing the gospels i said all right i have 10 minutes shoot and somehow the talk talk ran around and ended in who is jesus so i said jesus is the son of god and they said they don't believe so that jesus is an angel I love your response. That Jesus is an angel. This clearly distinguishes. Do you see? In fact, there's a reason the writer of Hebrews started with talking about the ministry of Jesus in comparison to the ministry of angels. When we get to Hebrews 2, you will see why. But he clearly distinguishes that Jesus is greater than the angels. Next verse, look at this. For, so now, go back to the previous verse. Let's read into this verse. Be made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So now he's trying to validate his claim that Jesus has a more excellent name. So he now says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So first and foremost, he says that the angels have a lesser standard of authority than Jesus has because Jesus is called son. In a household, the servants don't have the same authority as the son does. Is that true? So if God is the father, Jesus is the son, the angels are the servants, Jesus and the angels, they don't have the same authority. Do you understand? But he even takes it a step further to explain what he means by son. Because it can be confusing. It says, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee, which day? Which day did God beget Jesus? How many of you have ever, ever asked that question before? How is it possible that Jesus and God, Jesus is the son, God is the father, but Jesus has always been God from the beginning. Have you ever had had that question before? Wow. You guys need to start thinking more. And asking more questions. But he says, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Next verse. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Now, I've done a teaching, I think I did a teaching on this when I talked about resurrection. The difference between only begotten and first begotten. Alright, so I'll just go through it again. You see that phrase, first begotten? It's a reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? It's a reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, Let's look at a few verses of scripture. Um, Colossians chapter one verse 18. I think Colossians 1 18 explains it more clearly. Colossians 1 18. He says, And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beg- um, the beginning, the firstborn. That word firstborn is the same word with first begotten. Do you understand? The firstborn from the dead. Now Many people, when they read firstborn in, in relation to Jesus, what they think is, Jesus is firstborn, Peter is secondborn, Paul is probably third, Judas is last is the lastborn, then we are somewhere in the middle. That's not what it means. When he says firstborn, the Greek word is prototokos, I will spell it, you should write it. P-R-O-T-O-T-O-K-O-S P-R-O-T-O-T-O-K-O-S And it means prototype. It's from that word you get the word prototype. The one after which others should be patterned. Do you see? Do you see? So when the Bible refers to Jesus as firstborn, it means that he is the first of his kind, other people like him will come. Do you understand? Do you understand? Raise your hand if you understand. Raise your hand if you don't understand. All right, great. In fact, let's look at John chapter 12, verse 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. He says, Verily, verily, look at that. I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, you read this chapter, you read this verse, and you think Jesus is talking about wheat. But go to verse 20. Let me see verse 20. It says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Next verse. Then the same came to Philip, which was of Bethesda, Beth- Bethsaida, of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Next verse. Philip cometh, and telleth Andrew, Andrew. they went to go and tell Jesus. Next verse. And Jesus answered, The hour has come, look at that, that the Son of Man should be glorified. I've explained to you whenever Jesus uses this word glorified especially in the book of John when you see this word glorified it makes reference to his death and his resurrection Right? that makes sense so when he says the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified he was talking about how he should die he now says next verse verily verily I say unto you except, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies so who is he talking about here Himself, Do you see that? So that kind of wheat is him. He said except the kind of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. Question, when wheat falls to the ground and dies and brings forth fruit, does it bring forth mango? What does it bring forth? Wheat. Which means that in his death and resurrection, he produced people like him. Go back to Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. And he is the head of the body, church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So what is he the prototype of? The people who will come back from the dead. Do you see that? So that kind of which fell to the ground, died and produced people who will die and come back to life. Do you understand? Paul then says, if Christ be not raised from the dead, we have all men most miserable and our faith is in vain. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the promise, is the assurance of your eternal life. The fact that he, raised, he, was, he was raised from the dead and he came back to life. Do you see that? And not just that, but he put his spirit in you. His spirit would not have come if he was not raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you see, he is referred to as the first begotten. There is a difference. In John chapter 3, he's called the only begotten. Greek word monogenes. M-O-N-O-G-E-N-E-I-S. Only begotten. Referring to the fact that he was the only one of his kind on the earth at the time. What do I mean? He was the only man that had the Spirit of God inside of him. I hope you know that. When Jesus was on the earth, he was the only one with the Spirit of God in him. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, you realize several times the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon um, Elijah and he ran. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samuel and he prophesied. The Spirit of the Lord came upon this person and he did this. But never did the Spirit of God rest in a person. So while Jesus was on the earth, he was monogenes, Only begotten. Only of his kind. But that was going to change. He was only of his kind so that he can become first of his kind. Do you understand? He came as the only one with the Spirit of God inside of him so that he would die and would all have the Spirit of God inside of us. Do you see that? Great. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter. No, before we go back to Hebrews, Romans 1 4. Romans 1 4. Look at this. It says, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So, Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. When we say Jesus is the son of God, what we mean is he came back from the dead. Do you understand? Do you understand? It does not literally mean that God gave birth to him. Hallelujah. So, when the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4 now. When the writer of Hebrews says, when the writer of Hebrews says, I'm waiting for you being made so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they next verse he now says for unto which of the angels said he at any time thou art my son this day have I begotten thee question what day is he talking about there come on now chorus it everybody do you see that he says thou art my son this day have I begotten thee and again I will be unto him a father he shall be to me son. next verse and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten. So when, he, when did he bring in the first begotten? At the resurrection. Do you see that? Into the world he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Listen. In his resurrection, Jesus distinguished himself. Do you understand? And listen, more accurately, the sonship of Jesus proves his deity. The sonship of Jesus proves that he is God. <laughs> I hope you understand now. When when you hear Jesus is the son of God, what should translate in your head is Jesus is God. His sonship proves he is higher than the angels. He is the one that the angels will worship. The angels worship no other being than God. Do you see that? So when Jesus came back from the dead and then there was an instruction that let all the angels of God worship him. He's God. Do you see that? The angels worship him. He's not the same with them. Too many people are too interested in the ministry of angels. There's a denomination of Christianity in Nigeria where their entire service is about angels. Angel Michael, Angel Raphael, Angel Uriel, Angel Buhari, all the angels they can think of. But you do not exalt the ministry of angels above the ministry of Christ. Do you see that? Do you see that? In fact, we'll read on. Let's read on so that I can try to finish chapter 1 today. Next verse. He now says, And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels' spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, I've read, I've heard a lot of people use this verse of the Bible in very funny ways. So let me explain. When he says, And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels' spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. He's not talking about two categories of people. The angels that are spirits are the ministers that are flame of fire. Amen? Because I've heard people say, angels are spirits, then us that are ministers of the gospel, we are flames of fire. I can understand if you say I'm a flame of fire. I'm a burning fire. It's fine. But this is not the verse to validate your point. Alright, the angels that are spirits are the ministers that are flame of fire. Do you get that? Alright, next verse. He says, but unto the Son." He says, thy throne, O God. Oh, wow. Look at that. So, because he is the son, he is O God. Do you see that? Do you see that? But unto the son, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The son is the father. The son is God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So next time you are face to face with a Muslim and they tell you, Are there three gods? You say no, there's one God. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. They are one person. That they are one being, three persons. Praise the Lord. Let me just briefly explain the dichotomy of the Trinity to you. The idea is you know this there's this hymn. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning, my soul will rise to the holy, holy, holy. merciful and um, something. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. So when we say that we have the Father is the Son is the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, we mean that we have three persons that make up one being. Do you understand? We have three persons. You know what? I think we we'll end our teaching here today. So Mark, take notes. Okay. I will try to get to the end of chapter one so that we'll finish. But let me do I want to teach you this because I think it's important. The series title is Laying Foundations. So I will take as much time as possible. Alright? All right. So when we say God is three in one, what we mean is that He is three persons in one being. Let me explain. What kind of being am I? Thank you for the vote of confidence. I'm a human being. (laughs) I'm a human being. Thank you so much. (laughs) Ah, Jesus. Anyway, I'm a human being, right? Now, but I'm your pastor. Is that true? I'm also somebody's boyfriend. Is that true? And I'm somebody's son. You see, those things are are persons. They're expressions of personalities. But I am still one being. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we say God is God in three persons, it means that God is God in expressing himself in three different ways with regard to one subject. So, the logic of the Trinity is salvation. The subject of the Trinity... Is salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? The subject of the Trinity is salvation. We don't see a son of God properly revealed until salvation is in play. Do you understand? And even we don't see the work of the spirit until salvation is in play. You cannot define the son outside of salvation. In the same way you cannot define the spirit outside of salvation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the subject of the Trinity is salvation. Raise your hand if you understand. Raise your hand if you don't yet understand. Let me take it again. Alright, great. When you are discussing the Trinity, you discuss the Trinity with respect to something. Do you get what I'm saying? When you get to heaven, you won't see three people. You see one person. A man, Jesus. How do I know? The Bible says so. Amen? The book of Hebrews tells us that the man Jesus is up there. Colossians tells us that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. So when we get to heaven, we will see one man. Jesus. Amen? You won't see a great light that you cannot look at. No. You will see one man in heaven. His name is Jesus. That's the man that is God. Do you get what I'm saying? So, there are not three people... When we say God in three persons, we don't mean God in three people. Do you understand? Now, when you say person, you don't mean people. Even in English language. That's the reason why when you are oh, when you are making reference to, for example, in a company, when you say somebody is the chairman or the chairwoman. The chairman or chairwoman you call collectively they are called chairperson right because it can be any body occupying that position so the person makes reference to the position more than the actual human being do you understand do you understand great so personality does not always make reference to human being personality makes reference to actions So when you say somebody has multiple personality disorder, it does not mean he has different human beings living inside of him. But rather, he has different expressions of persons in him. Raise your hand if you understand so far. Do you get what I'm saying? So when you say God in three persons, you are making reference to God expressing himself in three different ways with respect to his subject. So God the Father is a judge. Judging the world, giving the law. God the Son was sent as the sacrifice. And God the Spirit is the assurance of the promise. You cannot define the Father outside of his role in salvation. You can't define the Son outside of his role in salvation. In fact, he is called the Son because God the Father resurrected from the dead. Do you understand? So you can't define the son outside of his role in salvation and you cannot define the spirit outside of his role in salvation. Praise the Lord. Well, um, this is not an apologi- apologetics class. So Raise your hand if you don't understand. You want to ask a question? Someone should give me a microphone. Like, you can see Jesus interacting with the Father. Like, he has his own will separate from what the Father's will is. So it's kind of confusing when you say it's an expression. If it's an expression of, like, I'm a boyfriend, I'm also, like, in the church, my will will still align to what I want it to be. But it might be... It won't be... I can't say... Okay, when Jesus... Was Jesus prayed to the Father. Yes, when he it was, to go exactly. When he was even sad, like about being scared about going to die, he was basically telling the God the Father that if it's his will, like let this call pass over on me. So I don't really get that. Okay, so here's where it gets different or okay. interesting. We are human and we are limited in our flesh. Do you understand? Now the difference between us and God is that his persons have the expression have the ability to take on a life of their own. He is God, we are not. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So this is how theologians usually explain this. God in three persons, he's one being, God. Those three persons make that being God. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. God in three persons, blessed trinity. Now, but then they would also explain to you that because of our limitation in understanding, there are things we cannot fully go all the way and say, Oh, we completely understand the Trinity. We can understand the basic framework, but there are questions we won't be able to answer. What I mean is, for example, this is a, a very good example they always use. If you, you, you know what two dimensional means, right? Yes. Length and breadth. You know what three dimensional yes. means? Length, breadth, height. Yes. Great. If you draw a line, is a line two-dimensional or three-dimensional? It's two-dimensional. It's two-dimensional. Yeah. Thank you. Now, if you draw a line and that line has the ability to perceive, so the line understands its surrounding, let's give that line that feature. And you put a cup over that line. Will that line perceive that cup as a two-dimensional object or a three-dimensional object? It will perceive it as a 3 It can perceive... Yes, you should be able to perceive 3D. It will perceive it as a 2D object. It's to perceive that cup as a circle because it does not have the ability to understand height. Yeah, that's true actually. Do you understand? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's where our limitation lies. We are limited by the flesh. And so we can't understand every aspect of God who is a spirit being. Who, is, who transcends the limitations of the flesh. But we can understand at least a part of it. The circle parts that we can understand as two-dimensional objects is that he is God, one being, in three persons. Not three different beings, because we don't have three gods. We have one God that expresses himself in three persons, and the expression of those three persons is salvation. We see him express those three persons with respect to salvation. Can we understand how one of the persons prays to another person? We can't. That's the height that we cannot get. But the basic framework of it, we can understand that. Okay. The reason why I took this route is because, basically, a lot of people will ask you, you meet a Muslim who says, you have three gods. Is Jesus God? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. Is the Father God? Yes. How come? You can explain that easily by saying, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are persons that make up one being, God. So we have one God. In fact, even in the Old Testament, there was a saying that they they said very many times. "Is hear ye, hear ye, the Lord our God he is one. Do you understand? The Lord our God, He is one. You you know the word Elohim is a plural term. But they use it to make reference to one God. So they understood that God expressed Himself in different ways. Do you understand? So what we call the Trinity is God expressing Himself in three different ways with respect to salvation. Okay. I miss Wednesday services. This would have been a Wednesday service topic. When you have to do, (laughs) praise the Lord. Raise Mm -hmm. your hand if you understand so far. All right, you know what? We'll find a forum to discuss this more um, elaborately. But the point of all this conversation was to establish that Jesus Christ is fully God. Do you understand? He's fully God. The the point of his sonship is that he is God. When we say he's the son of God, what we're actually saying is that he is God. That's why in Hebrews 1.6, let's go back. Hebrews 1.6, let's go back so we can finish. He says, but unto the Son he saith, sorry, next verse. Eight, sorry, eight actually. But unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God. So, the fact that he is the Son is proof that he is God. All right. Is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Next verse. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity; therefore, God, thy God, even um, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Ah, I wish I could explain this. This makes reference to His death and resurrection. Some other time. Next verse. And Thou, Lord, still talking about Jesus, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of Thy hands. Next verse. Thou shalt perish, they shall perish rather, but thou remainest, and they shall, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. Next verse. And as a vesture, thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy ears shall not fail. Next verse. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand. Now you see that phrase, sit on my right hand, is a statement of authority. Alright, it does not mean that Jesus is literally sitting at the right hand of God. So when you get to heaven, you will see God sitting on a big throne. Then you not see you know those small kitchen stools. You not see Jesus sitting on the kitchen stool, whispering in his father's ear. No. Do you understand? I already established that when you get to heaven, you see one man, Jesus. The Bible tells us as much. He says, To which of the angels said he sit on my right hand? The, when, you, when you say somebody is the right-hand man of another person, does it mean he's always at the right-hand side of that person? No. What it means is that he's his number two. Or he has, he has a position of authority. Do you get that? So the phrase right-hand will sometimes or many times refer to a position of authority. Do you understand that much? Great. So he says, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Next verse. Are they not all ministering spirits? He's talking about angels now. Do you understand? Because the previous verse, it says, For to which of the angels did he say? So now he's telling you, he didn't say that to angels, but rather, they are ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. This is the last verse in this chapter, right? Great. They are ministering spirits. Now go back to that verse. First of all, two things I'd like to clarify. When he says, "sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. The heirs of salvation he's talking about is you and I. Angels are sent forth to minister to you and I. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, as a Christian, you can put the angels that God has sent to minister to you, at you can put them to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can. You don't have to see them. But the same way you make proclamation, in fact, this is how you put many of them to work. You learn to make proclamations. Praise the Lord. Some of you are careless in the things you say. You are careless in the things you say. So be careful. Don't be too quick to just open your mouth. Make proclamations. So you have been looking for something. I have this habit. When I'm applying for a thing, or I'm I'm looking for someone to grant me something, and I want to make a phone call, I would always, before I pick up the phone, I would say, you will favor me. Do you understand? You will favor me. And then I pick up the phone and most times I get favor at the, end, at the other end of the call. You put them to work in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? They are ministering spirit sent forth to minister to those that will be heirs of salvation. That's you and I. So there's a clear, there's a, there's a clear difference between the ministry of angels and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Alright, I had hoped that we would get to chapter 2. Because I actually prepared this teaching for us to finish chapter 1 and chapter 2 today. But we did not get there. When we get there, we'll get there. Alright, so as a minister of the gospel and as a Christian, learn to put angels to work in your life. Wake up in the morning, angels of God, be on guard over my life today. I set my angels on guard concerning my life today. They will protect me. They will keep me as I move. Do you get what I'm saying? The problem is that many times, many of these things you've heard them before, right? Right? But you now became, you now started to hear better theology or better teaching. And you threw away the baby with the bathwater. It is true that some of the places where you heard these things before, they don't really teach the proper gospel there. How many of you can relate to what I'm saying? It's true. But does it mean everything they say is wrong? No. Don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. What that means is, don't carry plus the, um, plus the what is important and true and what is not true. You carry everything, mix it together and fling it out of the door. Don't do that. Praise the Lord. You see people who say things like, ah, that's my pastor. He, he stole from me, so I'm never going to church again if I'm not a Christian anymore. That's not throw away the baby with the bathwater. Is wrong. Praise the Lord. So angels are ministering spirits and they are sent forth to minister to you. You are an heir of salvation. Try it this week. Put them on guard over your life. Put them to work. Do you get what I'm saying? Lord, as I go out today, I put my angels, I put them to work over my life. In my day, I put them in charge. I'm protected today. I'm kept safe from all evil. I'm kept safe from all harm. Now you head out. Don't just wake up and leave the house. You didn't say anything. You didn't speak into your day. You You just left the house. Praise the Lord.